for the sacrifice. Lord, that you gave yourself on that cross. Lord, we thank you that we've not been redeemed with the blood of bulls, goats, or heifers, but Lord, with your own precious blood. Lord, we thank you tonight that we stand here redeemed. We stand here as the children of God in a wayward generation. And we ask, Lord, for your direction, for your word, for the guidance of your spirit, for the light in this dark hour. Lord, we ask for your anointing to be upon your word. I ask, Lord, for that anointing that I may preach and teach as you desire. And, Lord, we all ask for that anointing that we can hear and receive everything that the Holy Ghost is speaking to us tonight. And Lord, we ask it in the only saving name, in the name of Jesus Christ. Everybody says, amen, amen. So tonight we're in Romans chapter 8. If you want to look down to verse number 32, we're going to be pulling this message out of this verse tonight. It's one of the most blessed things to understand the reality of how Christ has blessed us. Many people today in our generation, they don't even know uh, some of the things that God's afforded them through the cross and through the resurrection and through the Holy Spirit. Uh, Tonight, we're going to be tying this message in with the one this morning about the transformed life. And, you know, I encourage you to not settle for living a transactional Christianity. Uh, Transactional Christianity is, is just... You know, it, there's no emotion, there's no power, there's, there's no infilling, there's no movement, there's no life. It's just lifeless. Uh, but a transformed life is what God wants to do in us. How many of you know that God wants to transform you? Amen. God wants to transform you. Well, we're going to start with this foundational passage here in Romans chapter 8. Let's go ahead and read this passage. It says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up, For us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now, one of the things I want to just start out with is sometimes people will abuse that and they'll say, oh, well, God gave me Jesus. He'll give me a Mercedes. You're not reading it right. okay? so let's let's understand what God is telling us. He's saying, look. I didn't withhold from you that which you needed the most, and that was salvation. There's no salvation without Jesus. There's no salvation without the spotless Lamb of God. There's no salvation without the cross. There has to be a blood sacrifice. Jesus is that blood atonement for our sins. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins, according to the book of Leviticus. God is so holy and sin is so rotten that it takes the blood of an innocent sacrifice to cleanse us of those sins. And he said, God did not, listen to it, he said, he did not, uh, he did not withhold him, he didn't spare him, but he delivered him up for us all. And I want you to understand when he says us all, that is exactly what John 3.16 says when it says, God so loved the world that whosoever, anyone and everyone, from the bad to the broken to the busted backslider, he said, whosoever will, let him come. Amen? He delivered him for us all. And I want you to know, no matter who you're looking at, no matter what human it is, no matter what side of the tracks they come from, no matter how long their rap sheet is, no, long, no matter how bad, broken, or backslidden they've been, God's got a plan, and he's made Jesus Christ available for their deliverance. He said he, he, he delivered him up for us all. But how many of you know that not everybody takes part in that? You go evangelize with us sometimes, you'll understand it real quick. You get F-bombs and middle fingers and you get people trying to tell you all kinds of stuff. You might even get arrested. Because a lot of the world don't want Jesus, but he was delivered for us all. God loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten son. Not some of the world. He loved the whole world. 
How many of you are so glad that our God is so good? He didn't love some of the world. He didn't love part of the world, but he so loved the whole world. Amen. Amen. He loved the whole world. And, and, and God today wants to do a work in people. God wants to do a work in this generation. You know that God so loved millennials? The ones that don't know what bathroom to use? God so loved the millennials that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever would believe, right? Would not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved those in the nursing home. God so loves those in the hospital. God loves those in Ukraine and Russia and China, Indonesia. Amen. God so loves them. And he still loves them today. And I want you to see something. He says that he spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Now, this is the part you've got to catch. There's a key part you should underline if you underline. It says with him. It says, shall he not with him? also freely give us all things there's a there's a communion there's a fellowship there's a togetherness there's an identification that has to take place in your life in order for you to be a participant of this verse jesus christ was offered for us all but not everybody is with him can i get a witness not everybody's with him and what I want you to see in this passage is there has to be a fellowship. There has to be a communion. If you're going to be a participant, if you're going to be a recipient, if you're going to be not a spectator but a participator in the things of God, if you want to receive the things that God has wrought for you. How many of you know that God wrought for you something on the cross? One of the greatest missionaries that ever lived was, was the, the Moravians. And one of their calls was, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. That was their motto. The lamb that was slain, may he receive the reward of his suffering. What's the reward of his suffering? A soul. A soul. Two souls. Three souls. Four souls. How, what can we do that Christ may receive what he suffered for? That's the call. But there has to be this fellowship in order for someone to receive and participate in that. But what's the reward? Now listen, listen to this passage. He said, um, how shall we not with him also freely give us all things? I'm not talking about a Mercedes. God's not talking about that. God's not talking about a jumbo jet. God's not talking about that. What is he talking about? The things you need. Didn't Jesus tell us that in the Sermon on the Mount? God knows what you need. He knows what you need. You don't have to worry about that. He knows that you need food. He knows that you need clothes. He said, don't worry about those things. God knows you need those things. But this verse is telling us when we get into this place where there's an identification, where there's fellowship between us and Jesus Christ, when Jesus lives inside of you, when there's a with him, and this is what you got to get, you've got to get with him. But when there's a with him, there's a, a, a conditioned promise there that when you're with him, he'll provide the things that you freely that you need freely he will he will provide those things how many of you have issues in life how many of you have made your own problems sometimes my mom used to tell me you know you made your bed now you got to lie in it and i thought what does that mean now as an adult i know what that means sometimes we make our own mess and we we you know you, you take your, your paycheck and you go, you know, buy lottery tickets instead of paying Swebco, and then the lights get turned off. Don't blame it on the devil, right? You made your bed, right? These things happen, and we got to learn from these things. We got to grow from these things. Hopefully, right? Hallelujah. Come on. But, but there's, there's an understanding here that when we have a need, when there's a, a, a true problem, when the enemy comes after us, we have a promise from God. God's going to give me everything I need for this situation. He's going to give me direction. He's going to give me understanding. He's going to equip me for the battle. Amen. If the waters need to be parted, they're going to be parted in the name of Jesus. If a devil needs to get cast out, he's coming out in the name of Jesus. If somebody needs to get healed, they're going to get healed in the name 
name of Jesus. If somebody's bound by an addiction, they're going to get set free in the name of Jesus. Whatever I need, God said he's going to provide those things freely in the name of Jesus. When it's with him, it has to be a conjunction. It has to be a fellowship. It has to be a togetherness. It has to be an identification with him. And I want you to know that God has so many things for the church, but the church misses those things because a lot of the church is not with him. There's an intimacy that God requires in his disciples. You can't be, you can't be in the back 40. You can't, let me rewind that one, right? You can't hang in the back. God's looking for you to press to the front. Come near, he said. Draw near to God. Come close to Him. Be intimate with the Lord Jesus Christ. Seek His face. Seek His face. Let me show you something. There's Sometimes people get messed up on this, but fellowship with Jesus is conditional. Okay, You, you can't have fellowship with Jesus on your terms. How many of you know that He's the Master? He's the Master. It's His terms. If you wanted to have a meeting with, with, with the President of the United States, how many of you know you'd have to do it on his terms? I'm not talking about politics. Don't get sidetracked. But when you're talking about an authority, you got to do things on that authority's terms. And when we're talking about God himself, we're talking about the creator, the ultimate authority of which every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. And when you have fellowship with him, you do it on his terms. It's conditional. Let me show you this in 1 John chapter number 1, verse number 6 and 7. 1 John chapter number 1, verses 6 and 7. This relationship is conditional. God wants you to be a participant of this relationship. He wants you to have fellowship and communion with him. He wants you to have the things that you need. And, and listen to me, the, the hour that we live in, there's a need. There's a crisis of faith today. There's, there's a great need for Holy Ghost-filled children of God in this hour. You're going to have to be bolder than ever before. You're going to have to be more courageous than ever before. You're going to have to be filled with the Spirit of God, not filled with pride. You're going to have to be filled with Jesus Christ and not the flesh. We need people that are, that are courageous like Joshua, that was willing to go to Jericho and look like a fool and march around that place and play music around that place and let the walls of the enemy come down. It takes courage to do things like that. And if you're going to stand up for Jesus in the generation that you live in, you can't do it without the Holy Ghost. This generation is, is, is just, God is holding back this generation's vengeance. I mean, it is, it is nipping at the heels. It is ready to draw blood on the Christians in, in America. It's drawing blood all over the world on the Christians. But I mean, they, God is, I thank God he's holding them back. But you need to understand we live in, in, a, in a bubble. God has us in a bubble for right now. I don't know if the bubble's going to pop soon or not. But if you're going to stand up for Jesus in this generation, there's going to be pushback. And you need God. Especially you younger people. If the Lord tarries, y'all better pray for revival. You better get filled with the Holy Ghost. And you better be willing to stand. Even if you've got to stand against the whole world, stand. That great man of God, Athanasius, he was standing for the deity of Jesus Christ. He's the one that had to slap Arius, and he got put in jail for it. But he stood up for the deity of Jesus Christ. And the, all the other preachers came against him. And they said, what are you going to do now? The whole world's coming against you. It's the whole world against Athanasius. And he said, no, it's Athanasius against the whole world. It depends on how you look at it. If God's with you, who can be against you? If God's with you, who can be against you? And I want you to know the Lord's on your side. If you'll stand up for Jesus and you get with him, that's the key to this message. If you'll stand up for Jesus and you'll get with him, nobody can stand against you. Listen to this verse. It says in verse number six, if we say that we have fellowship with him. How many of you know there's a lot of squirrels out there that say they have fellowship with Jesus? There's a lot of people out there that say they know Jesus. 
I remember one job I had, one guy, he could quote scripture. He talked about God, but he, was, he would be having fornicating relationships with women every week. Talk the talk, but don't walk the walk. Jesus said to look at the fruit of the life. He said if we say that we have fellowship with him, that's the words, and walk in darkness, that's the deeds. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Take inventory. If I say I know him, but I'm walking in darkness, I'm a liar and I don't know the truth. There's a lot of people like this today. And I would tell you there's a lot of people that, that and I've been there before in my life. I thought I knew God when I didn't know God more than a man in the moon. I knew about God, but I didn't know God. I knew doctrine, I knew religion, but I didn't have relationship. I was still dead in my sins and trespasses. I was still bound by iniquities. I was still everything the flesh wanted to do. I was bound to do like a dog on a leash. Wherever the devil wanted my flesh to go, I went. But I would say I knew Jesus. See, the, the Lord here has a, a, a condition. If you say that you know him and walk in darkness, this is what it means. It means that you're not being led by God. It means that you're not be, you don't have Holy Ghost direction for your life. And I want to tell you, we live in such a generation that if you don't have Holy Ghost direction, if you're going where you want, when you want, how you want, you don't have Holy Ghost direction. You're going to miss some very important things tonight. We have to take a step back and ask the Lord to lead us and guide us before you launch out in thoughts about people, before you launch out and make a vendetta against somebody, before you go up and grab a new hobby that ain't of God. You better make sure it's God leading you in these things. We live in a time of great deception. We live in a time of, of, of great evil. And more than ever, we need to be drawing closer to God, not going our own way. We say that we have fellowship with Him. That's the key, with Him. And tonight, in this message, we're going we're gonna to dive down deep on what it means to be with him. I'm going to show you the nuts and bolts of what it means, literal, nuts and bolts about what it means to be with him. This will change your walk with God, if you get this. But if you say that you have fellowship with him, but, you, but you're not walking in the light, God knows. God knows. But there's something in you that wants more than an outer expression without an inward transformation. Can I get a witness? There's something in you that cries out, that hungers. I don't want just to say I know. I want that inward light. I want that transformational power. I don't want to be who I've always been. I don't want to rely on my flesh. I don't want to rely on me anymore. I don't want to be led by the enemy. I don't want to be mis led anymore i don't want to be bound i need the light of god in my life he said but if in verse 7 but if we walk in the light as he's in the light we have fellowship one with another and the blood of jesus christ his son cleanseth us from all sin the, 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 the foundational aspect of Christianity is the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And here you see, if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with God because the blood of Jesus has cleansed us of our sin. This is the nuts and bolts that we're going to dive down into in just a second. But, but this is the summary of it. In order for you to be who God's called you to be, you have to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus and walking in the light. Anything short of that is misguided, misled, and deception by the devil. Don't tell me that you can't live a holy life if you've got the Holy Ghost in you. 
Don't tell me that you can't live right if you've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, filled with the Spirit of God, and are walking in the light that He gives you. He doesn't empower you to be a half. He empowers you to be a whole. This empowerment that we're talking about tonight is, is, is the fuel, is the, the fire. It is the infilling of God in our lives. And God would never tell you to be and live the sanctified, holy, righteous life in your own strength because God knows us, right? We need God. We need his help. We need the counselor. We need the helper. We need the comforter. We need the one that guides us. And it all starts with the cleansing blood of Jesus. It all starts right there. Now, I want to talk to you about the operation. There's a, there is a, an operation that, that takes place with Jesus. But notice that there's a communion aspect to this. This is not an abstract, this is not just knowing uh, and repeating words. In order for you to be with Jesus, it implies communion and conjunction together. This is not about knowing a doctrine, it is about knowing Christ Jesus himself. It is about proceeding past words and having the living word. It is about, it is about togetherness with the one and only Jesus. Now, I want to show you something in the book of Colossians. I'm going to camp here for a second. So you, let's go over to Colossians. We're going to camp here for a minute. Because there's, this is what I would call the nuts and the bolts of understanding the operation of being with Jesus. Colossians chapter 2. And we're going to read, we're going to start in verse 8. And we're going to work our way down. This is what I would call the nuts and bolts of the operation of being with Jesus. So there's, there's five things that I really want you to see as we begin in this. There's two things that talk about in him, and then there's three things that talk about with him. And we're going to navigate through this, and you're going to understand what exactly this fellowship and communion means. And the requirement for this communion. It says in verse number 8, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Understand this before we move forward. If any person brings any other gospel, brings any other Jesus, and talks of any other spirit except for the one that, that is talked about in the Word of God, they're leading you into a vain philosophy. They're leading you in error. They're leading you down a road of frustrating flesh. Philosophy and vain deceit is worldly wisdom. That's what you get when you, when you write to Dear Abby. You get worse when you go to the fortune teller. You get a wicked spirit when you go there. But if you want to lean on the wisdom of the world and write to dear Abby, you're going to get vain deceit. It's hollow. It's hollow. It's like Job's friends. It's hollow. You know, I'm not a card person. <laughs> Hallmark writes some good cards, I guess. I'm not a card person. I, I, I would rather somebody give me a hug if I'm going through a bad time. I'd, I'd rather feel the love than to read words that somebody else wrote in some other state. You understand what I'm saying? Job's friends, they knew he was hurting, but they were just offering word after word after word after word after word after word. All he really needed was a hug. They would have done so much better if they would have sat next to him in the dirt and cried with him. Said, I love you. I'm here. I don't know why you're going through this. I don't have the answers. But I'm here. I mean, you know, sometimes you just need somebody to be here. But the world, the world will offer you vain deceit. And whenever you begin to look at situations and problems, especially you look at the country that we live in right now, you, you, oh man, you get the political mantra going on. That's vain deceit, guys. Nothing's going to change in this nation until it turns back to God. 
Nothing's going to change in our schools until our schools turn back to God. Nothing's going to change in our homes until our homes turn back to God. Still baffles me every time I get a testimony from Sister Amber about offering Bibles to these kids at this middle school. Kids grow up in homes without Bibles in our generation. Right in our neighborhood. And and we need a move of God and they don't even have the word of God. But I want to tell you that everything short of repenting and turning back to God is vain deceit. And people today are getting caught up in it. Left, right, and in the middle. But everything short of Jesus, notice that everything that's short of Jesus is vain deceit. Proceeding on. It says in verse 9 and 10, it says, For in him, that's in Christ, in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The word dwelleth there means an ongoing word. That means Jesus is alive today bodily, and he's still just as much God as he always has been. He always has been God. He is God, and he forever will be God. And when he was in the body, he was still God, and he's still in the body today, and he's still God. In him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. There, we exhausted it. No, we didn't. <laughs> but in him, there's, in, in other words, he's fully God. Was he fully flesh? Yes, it's the two, it's the union. 100% man, 100% God. But you need to know and understand who your God is, who your Christ is. In him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And look at verse 10, and you're complete in him. You're not complete in dear Abby. You need answers. You go under the fortune teller. They're going to lead you into witchcraft. You begin to follow men and politicians and political movements, and you begin to set up vain philosophies, and you begin to follow these things. Listen, the only place where you're going to find that you are complete is in Jesus. In him, you're complete. You're not complete. Uh, Man, if I just get that job, my life will be right. Man, if, if, if I just get married, my life would be perfect. You know, you if if I just, you know, if, if I could just get that degree, my life, I would have it. If they would just ask me to do that, if I could just do that one thing, I'll be. No, I'm complete in him. I don't find my completeness in anything else but Jesus. I am complete in him plus nothing. Read it. I'm complete in him plus nothing. Until you get to this place, you're never going to get to the with him. First, you got to get in him. Then you'll see the with him. There's the in him. You got to get in him. Find that you're empty without him, but in him, you're complete. You're whole. You're full. In him. We are complete in nothing but Christ. Everything but Christ is vain deceit. In Christ is the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and I will never be complete until I get in him. I'm not waiting on a degree. I'm not waiting on a job. I'm not waiting on a spouse. I'm not waiting on children. I'm not waiting on a raise. I'm not waiting on anything else. i got to get in him. That's where you'll get complete. See, dear Abby doesn't have what you need. There's answers that we have questions about. Why did this happen? Why did that happen? Dear Abby don't know. I'm picking on her tonight. But it represents a longing in our soul. It represents that that we're not whole yet. It represents that we haven't found that completeness in Christ. And I want you to know that there's things that, that, that can happen when you're in Christ that cannot happen any other way. I, you know, I thank God, I, I really, truly thank God that I was saved and filled with the Holy Spirit 
when certain tragedies happened in my life. Because had I not been right with God and complete in him, I don't think I could have handled it. I think it would have been too much for me and I probably would have went in wrong directions. But I'm complete in him. I, I, I may be broken in certain ways, but I know who the healer of my soul is. I, I, I may not understand, but I know where wisdom is. I may not know what direction to go, but I know who gives me direction. It's Jesus. I'm complete in him. So before I get into this fellowship with him, I first have to be completed in him. In verse 11, it says, In whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in the putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Now, that just simply means that when you're in him, you, can't, you, you cannot no longer control your flesh. You've subjected yourself to Christ. When you're in him, he's the leader of the pack now. He's, he's the pilot. You're not the co-pilot. Jesus not the co-pilot. Jesus is the pilot. You in the back. You going where he says to go, doing what he says to do with you, all of you. I don't, I don't know any other way to put it. You got to put off the flesh to get in Christ. Repent, right? Go read John the Baptist, Luke chapter 3. This is good stuff. Bring every hill down, fill in every valley. Why? Make way for the king. The king's coming to you. Make way for him. You got a valley, fill it in. A mountain, tear it down. Repent. That's a picture of repentance. Put off that flesh. Get in Christ. Here comes the promise. Here comes the promise. Verse number 12, there's two widths in here. Verse number 13, there's a width in there. And then we get to the promise in verse 15. Watch this. This is the nuts and bolts of the relationship, the operation of being with Jesus. It says, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who has raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. I'm going to stop right there and read those next two verses in a second. But there's three whiz that I want you to see in this passage. Number one, you have to be buried with him in baptism. This is identifying with the death of Jesus Christ. That when you go and you uh, relay this back to Romans chapter 6 verse 4. This is specifically talking about being baptized in the baptism of his death. As Jesus was laid down in that tomb, he gave up that body and he surrendered that flesh to the work that was necessary to redeem our soul. And it says that we are buried with him. We are buried with him. We are baptized with him. Notice that we have to be, we have to identify with his death. In order for you to proceed to where God wants you to be, in order for this fellowship to be, you have to die to self. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ in me. Not about me anymore. I have to be dead. When I come to Jesus, now it's not, it's not me and him. I'm done. I'm a goner. I'll never forget the day I gave my life to God. I support theology terms, but that's what we say. But I'll never forget that day. I, I, I remember telling God, all I know how to do is make a mess of my life. I'm done with it. I'm done. You can have it. You can have it. If you want to take me to heaven, all right, that's fine. Whatever happens from this point forward, I'm all yours. But I'm done living my own life. I'm done. And, and, and in that baptism of death, that is 
That is where you are relinquishing control of you. And in order for there to be fellowship between you and Jesus, there has to, you have to identify with that death. You'll never go forward in God. Some people have such a struggle because they're continually fighting for control of their life with God. They're like, you know, I remember whenever I was trying to learn how to drive, my grandma was helping me. And she was, man, she was grabbing that steering wheel. She was trying to help me too much. But, you know, sometimes we do that with our life because we're not buried with him in the baptism of his death. Said on that cross, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And he gave up the ghost, and his body went lifeless. And that's the point you have to begin at. You have to come to that place where you say, Lord, in your hands I give myself. And from this point forward, I'm fleshless. It's no longer me. You died for me. Now I'm dying to self for you. Boom. Buried with him. You're not going by yourself. God's not asking you to do something he didn't do. God's not asking you to go where he didn't go. Saying, be buried with me. Be buried with me. Buried with him. In baptism, look at the next part. Wherein also you are risen. Everybody wants a resurrection, but who wants a crucifixion? Everybody wants a highlight, but nobody wants to go down low with Jesus. Before he was raised to new life, he was buried in that tomb for three days. Before he was glorified, he first, he was marred, he was crucified, he was abused, he had that crown of thorns put on his head, he was spit on, they pulled his beard out of it with their hands. They mocked him and ridiculed him. Killed him. And we want to skip over that. We want to skip over that. But when we're talking about, hey, God spared not his own son. He delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him, with him freely give us all things? We want the all things, but the with him is the part we miss. The beginning of the with him is being buried with him in the baptism of his death. And now, before, you, before, before there's a resurrection, there has to be this baptism. And then you can identify with the resurrection. See, when Christ was resurrected from the, from the grave, when, when he walked out of that tomb, when, when, when life came back into that body and that stone rolled away and he walked out of that tomb, he was no longer in that old flesh. Now he has a glorified body. New life. New life. This body still had the scars, and we still operate in our same flesh, but now there's new life in us. Now, you can see, I still look the same. Maybe my old family, my old friends recognize me on the outside, but they can't recognize me on the inside because now I'm risen. I'm resurrected. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. I'm not who I once was. I don't laugh at what I used to laugh at. I don't go where I used to go. I don't do what I used to do. Now I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus old things have passed away when I was buried in the baptism of death and now I'm risen with him into new life Mm, this identification of the new creature is one of the things that Christians miss too some people they still identify with who they used to be nobody talks to a fox like that Word, you don't mess with my family. You don't know who I am. I thought you was new. I, I thought you was a new creature. How, how you identifying with your past? How you going back over the blood? How you going back? We going forward in God. We not who we used to be. 
says we were we are created we are new creatures created in Christ Jesus in Christ Jesus risen there's an identification that has to take place before you even get to the rest of the with him you have to first identify with his death and then you have to identify and you have to say yes I am a new creature I am not my own Quoted it earlier, but that's what Paul said. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I'm alive. Yet not I. There's a new life here and it ain't mine. I'm a new creature. Now he's not imprisoning the Christians. Now he's preaching to the heathen. Now he's, he's, not, he's not throwing stones at the Christians. He's encouraging the Christians. He's not who he once was. Now he's a new creature. What can God do with some people today that if they would just get into this place and get, get in Christ? Get in Christ. And then identify with that death. And identify with that new life. Identify with that resurrected life. Say, Lord, I thank you. My old man's dead and gone and you've done made me new. And now, now for an awesome part, it says, And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. The word quicken, it means made alive. So now you're talking about the, the flesh Death to the flesh, alive to Christ, and now there's spiritual life imparted to this new man. So now we're not just an empty, voidless new man with no direction, no anything, just an empty shell like the tin man on the Wizard of Oz. Oh, I don't have no heart in me. Now there's a spiritual impartation. The quickening is when life, spiritual life, begins. And that's why Jesus told the disciples to wait, tarry in Jerusalem until you're endued. That means quicken until you're endued with power from on high. And one of the things we need in this Christian walk is to know there is just as much a principle of us being quickened with him. That's the spiritual life imparted to us with Christ. As much as we need the death to flesh and to know that we're a new creature, we need the batteries. We need the power. We need the empowerment that comes from God to do this. And God's not a derelict father. He said, how shall he not freely with him give you all things? The power that you need is in the hands of God, and he will freely give you all the things that are necessary for you to live a holy, sanctified, consecrated, on fire, filled up, fired up Christian life. Everything. He said, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? Oh, man, this is good. This is good stuff. We, we, but understand the process of these things. We've got to know who Jesus is. In him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And we're never complete until we're in him. And once we get in him, we've got to be buried with him in the baptism of his death. Made a new creature and empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is the process that God uses. And I'll tell you, there's a victory in this plane. There's a victory in this verse that a lot of people don't have because they, they, they miss the nuts and bolts of the operation of what it means to truly be with him. Continuing to verse 15, let's read these two verses. It says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. How many of you know there's, there's, you've had failures in your life? God said, don't do some things, and you did some things. Raise your hand if you've been there. God said, don't do some things, but you did some things. It says, Jesus took these ordinances. 
He took these failures. He took these things that were contrary or these things that were against us and he nailed it to the cross. He nailed it to the cross. And look at this, verse 15. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it, in the cross. In the work that he did on the cross, the principalities and the powers that are ruling the nations in this day and in this generation, those principalities and powers that have wrought destruction in your families, those principalities and those powers that have robbed you of the victory that Christ wrought for you. He said that he triumphed over those things. And the reason why so many Christians don't take part in this victory, the reason why so many Christians don't have a triumphant Christian experience, the reason why so many people don't walk in the victory that Christ wrought is because they don't have the fellowship of the with him. But he says right here, once you get these with hymns in you, once you understand the nuts and bolts, once you get this fellowship of with Christ Jesus, with that comes triumph over the powers and the principalities of darkness No demon, no dark spirit, no devil, no enemy on this earth can hold back the child of God. Even the gates of hell cannot hold back the church of Jesus Christ. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, and every chain will break, and every demon must flee when the name of Jesus comes up. And one of the things that we miss in this is that God said, I will freely give you these things. You go back and you read that Romans 8, 32. He said if, if, if he delivered up his son, he spared not his own son, but he delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him freely give us all things? You need victory over certain things. You need victory over certain things. Can I tell you something? Stop thinking about yourself because you buried with him in the baptism of death. So flesh done been put off. Stop thinking about yourself. There's people in your life that need victory. There's people around you that are bound by demonic forces. There's people around you that are addicted to things. There's people around you that need you to get fired up, filled up, and ready to flow in the power of the Holy Spirit. There there is a victory that must be done by the power of God. And he said, look, if if, if I gave you Jesus, I will give you these things. Triumphing over the enemy. But so many people, so many people live a victory-less life. They live a, 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 an imitation. They have, they have victory in word only. But God wants you to know victory in reality. There's a, there's a real victory that Christ has for you. He did that for you. He gave himself on that cross for you. He invites you. Yes, there's there's suffering to go with it because the world don't like Jesus. They're going to push back. But in every circumstance, Christ will never leave us and he'll never forsake us. We only outnumbered in the natural. In the spirit. In the spirit, there's more with us than with them. In the spirit, greater is he that's in us than in the world. Amen? God wants you to join him in this fellowship of being with Jesus. There's a missing component in your walk with God. You're not going to get this triumphant, victorious Christianity. You have to say so long to the flesh, hello to the new man, and wait for that quickening power that imparting of the Spirit of God. This is the nuts and bolts of fellowship with Him. And God's calling on the church to regain, regain its focus, regain its mission. You have a purpose in life. It's not to get a 401k. It's not to get a new car. 
You have a purpose in life. And that purpose is to walk on top of those things that once were on top of you to the glory of God. To live in victory over those things that once held you down and bound you up. There's victory for you today in Christ Jesus and in Christ Jesus alone. Lord, we ask you this evening, Lord, for an impartation of your spirit that you would be glorified in this place. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to hear your word. I pray, God, for every person here today, Lord, that we would know and understand the operation of what it truly means to be with you. Lord, I ask for your Holy Spirit to confirm your word in your people this evening. If you're here tonight and you just want me to pray with you, you just want to say, I hear God speaking to me. There's some things God's touching me on. Would you raise your hand so I can pray with you right now? Just slip your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Just raise your hand. I'll pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the hands lifted tonight. Lord, I thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit in us. You're helping us to hear your voice. You want us to go deeper. Lord, we thank you for the work of your Spirit in our hearts. And I pray, God, that your people would respond to you. That we would respond to you, God. It's you that we need. We are never going to be complete until we're fully in you. And Lord, I thank you that you invite us to come. He said, whosoever will, let him come. And the Lord wants you to come. This evening, whether you lifted your hand or not, if you want to come and lay down a burden at the feet of Jesus, if you want to respond to the Lord, or maybe you just want to pray, just tell the Lord that you love him. I invite you to come to these altars and let the Lord be glorified in Jesus' name.